HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Tuk Tuk Box. Sharing Southeast Asian stories at your doorstep. Learn more at tuktukbox.com. That's T-U-K-T-U-K-Box.com. This week on Meet and Three, we dedicate our stories to elders, grandparents, and family members who came before us. Some people called on the phone. What time is your appointment? Mine's 2.45. Our friend, the dentist, he, he was 3.30. And it was like a social event. It's a small island. A lot of them I knew when I was a kid. So it was, you know, to really help them feel like they, they weren't alone. It's partly this communal nature of food. And so it can operate as a bridge, um, not just between neighbors and friends, but also between the living and the dead. Listen to Meet in 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hello and welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about all things edible, sport, spreadable, pourable, and also injectable because I just got vaccinated with your host, co-host Mizar. Zara Tangora. <laughs> and me, Nicole Bailey. I got my second vaccine yesterday. Wait, didn't you? I thought you got the Johnson & Johnson one the first time. No, I had Pfizer. Oh, okay. I was just like, you just got two <laughs> to be safe. No, what happens if you get all three? I think that's the question you no one's answering. to the hospital. Yeah, because really? they, they accidentally double vaccinated some people at an old folks home and they got sick. Did they... Are they still with us? Do we know? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't feel wonderful today, I have to be honest. Um, but I can speak Italian. No, no. Heavens no. I got uh, the Moderna, as I think I mentioned on a previous episode. I was hoping it would help me speak fluent Italian because it sounds Italian. <laughs> ah, yes. Um, yeah, I had Pfizer. Um, I felt fine the first one. Today, I'm, I got it yesterday. I felt totally fine yesterday, but today... Like, right around 24 hours afterwards, I felt kind of tired. But that's all. A little achy, a little tired. Maybe a little feverish, but very mild. Samesies. I went for a run uh, earlier and found myself having a difficult time running. But I think it's actually because I got new running shoes and not because of coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) They're supposed to be great. New running shoes a while ago? Like, because I made fun of you for wearing Nikes? Well... 
listen, here's the, here's the situation. I put a lot of miles on my shoes, so I have to switch shoes every couple months, get a new pair maybe like every four months, five months. Oh, Sometimes I okay. go too long and they get holes in the bottom. But I did just get a new pair of shoes recently, and after deliberating and deliberating about it, I finally <laughs> pulled the trigger on a different pair than I normally get, and they're so fucking hard on the bottom that like it really makes it difficult to run i want to like them but i don't so take that nike so you would give them five stars if you could no if yeah i'd give them five stars if the rating system was out of three million stars (laughs) oh you'd be like i wish i could give it zero stars that's what they say on yelp exactly yes i i wish and pray in fact if i had one genie wish if i had a genie in a bottle and i got one (laughs) wish i'd wish that i could give my new shoes zero stars (laughs) <laughs> what? Which ones are they? Uh, well, not to just besmirch the name of beloved Nike, but they're the React Millers. Uh, Sienna Millers brand tennis shoes. Well, they made me think of Mac Miller, and then I was like, these are probably cool. Uh, <laughs> but they aren't. They're no Mac Miller. Makes me think of Sienna Miller, the British actress who used to date Jude Law. <laughs> makes me think of my ex-boyfriend, Dan Miller, who probably hates me. Oh. And I hope he's what not he listening. listening to the podcast. <laughs> Um, his mom, I noticed, follows our Instagram, our podcast Instagram, and likes a bunch of our photos, which what? is sweet but confusing because well, I, I would listening. think that her tender ears Mrs. would be Miller. offended by this. Mrs. Miller, if you are listening, I've always thought you were a lovely woman, and I hope you're doing well. Um, this is Nicole speaking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hope that you haven't gotten divorced and reverted back to your maiden name, in which case you wouldn't be Mrs. Miller. <laughs> Let us all pray. My second genie wish would be to pray that Mrs. Miller has not gotten a divorce. <laughs> I'm expecting a handwritten letter in the mail now, to be honest. <laughs> to our Instagram address. <laughs> uh, anything new in uh, Ben Affleck news this week? <laughs> uh, you know what? Yes, actually. Oh, Lord, I was, my third wish from this genie, my third and final wish, is that there would have been new Ben Affleck news. Now I have so, all, wasted all my wishes. I stumbled across this by accident, but it's just really funny that it ended up, there was just an accidental Ben Affleck news that I came across this week. So basically, um, I was reading about how Katie Seagal, Peggy Bundy, wonderful actress. Um, wonderful. Not related to Steven Seagal or a Seagal. That's lies. (laughs) Correct. Um, She is sober. And I was just reading about that, which then led to like 12 celebrities. I don't know. Some stupid thing that was like 12 celebrities you didn't know were sober. But I knew that all of them were sober because I pay attention. And Mm. somehow that led me to an article about how Bradley Cooper helped Ben Affleck and Brad Pitt get sober. (laughs) (laughs) That's Isn't that just adorable? A bunch of old whites. Just helping each other. <laughs> Privileged, uh, old, hot whites. Yeah. So, so yeah. Ben Affleck has been struggling with his alcoholism. He's had to go to rehab a couple of times. And the most recent time, he, Jennifer Garner actually drove him to rehab. So she, mm. you know, is involved in that, which I think is interesting. So. It isn't. Well, I mean, they have kids together. But, you know. Yeah. I don't I don't dislike that many celebrities except for obviously Ben Affleck and Matt Damon <laughs> are on my shit list. But I'm just kidding. Um I don't really have many feelings about them. I think it's funny that we talk about Ben Affleck this much though. 
It is. Um, he just keeps coming up in the news, you know? He's everywhere. Uh, he's, in my opinion, he's unavoidable. But I will say that I don't care for Bradley Cooper at all. Me either. I find him to be almost insufferable. His grimace, his squinty eyes, his pokey long nose. He just seems like he has a bad attitude. Seems like he'd be very bad in bed. He seems like the character that he plays in The Hangover is his real personality. Yes, that is him. He didn't know he was acting. They were like, Bradley, there's a problem. (laughs) We need you to come help find our lost friend. He's like, I'll be right on it. I'm sober. And then the whole movie is just him (laughs) doing his real totaler. (laughs) Oh, man. What a creep. He probably, I don't even want to. I don't want to get sued by Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Super Tramps and you just started playing. So hold on, let me. Is it good? <laughs> let me just... Do I hear Goodbye Stranger in the background? Is it good? Oh, yeah, it is. Hold on. Goodbye Stranger. It's kind of nice. Give me one second. <laughs> this is hilarious. Guys, this is the kind of thing that happens in Indiana. Oh my god. Rick, listen, you're hearing life happen. Let me tell you a story, listeners, while Nicole okay. is fiddling with the CD player about Ben Affleck. My dad was doing his taxes, and he was just jamming out. And I guess it was like, <laughs> but it's been silent for the last 10 minutes. So I don't know why it just started playing. Maybe your house has a ghost. Who sings that song, Goodbye Stranger? Super Tramp. That is Super Tramp. Okay, yeah, my dad's a big Super Tramp fan. He saw them in concert many times. That's sick. I saw, I was listening... Uh, well, okay, so my phone, as you know, and now you're all about to know, my phone mysteriously broke for no reason. I thought it was from the very <laughs> tiny amount of water that splashed onto oh, it. Oh, okay. It wasn't. I brought it into the shop. They're like, I don't know what's wrong with this thing, but it's fine now. So while my phone is broken, I must say, have you taken like a phone detox, Nikki, at any point over the past couple recent memory times? I always... is. Anytime that it's possible for me to be away from my phone, I'd take that opportunity. Okay. Well, I had been looking at my phone more than usual because uh, in running the Zaza lasagna pop-up that I did all winter, I had to, like, take orders on my phone. I had to do a lot of social media stuff, uh, which was fun. But it was just, like, kind of got to the point where I realized, well, I've been looking at my phone. And just as it ended, my phone broke. And so, anyway, this all leads me to the point of my story, which is that yesterday when I drove up to Long Island – I listened to the radio for the first time in a long time. And Sticks came on. Oh, I love And Sticks. that song, Mr. Roboto, came on. Well, it's a great song. And it is the weirdest. <laughs> I was just started laughing to myself. I was like, <laughs> this is the weirdest song ever made. Truly. Like, what like- genre is that? Is that like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what is? It's a great question. It's kind of like hair band music, but like a little less yeah. like gruff. Domo Origato, Mr. Roboto. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's what like, year? What you year know what it is? Up? It's like Coke. It's like Cokey Yacht Rock. I wouldn't, I don't, I I don't think it's Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock is a soft rock. So if but you're it's, jamming it's, out. And it's if you more have like, Coke. <laughs> it's like I mean, you do Coke, <laughs> you do a bump, you do a couple of like fingernail or key bumps when you're listening to Hall & Oates on a yacht during the day. But then... You put on Mr. Roboto and you break out like a long, long line that goes all the way down a dinner table. (laughs) (laughs) You're still on a yacht at this point. Okay. I don't know. I feel like maybe. 
Maybe well, what do night, you think it is? Night. Well, I, I, I'm the one who asked the question, so I definitely don't know. But Well, I can tell you something right now that I've seen sticks in concert. I'm something of a yacht rock connoisseur, so... Oh, really? Hmm. <laughs> Excuse us all. My, my credentials are that I read a long-form article about in Rolling Stone about the Yacht Rock parody show that was in the 90s, and then I created a playlist called Yacht Rocks, so I'm pretty <laughs> well-knowledgeable about Yacht Rock. I think okay? that you should make another playlist called Yacht Rocket. By the way, that article at Rolling Stone is very good. Everyone should read it. It's, if you have any interest at all in Yacht Rock. <laughs> if you love Yacht Rock as much as Nicole or Cokey Late Night Yacht Rock, like Sticks and Journey, <laughs> as much as I don't but think is funny, then read this article. Read this here so article. Journey. So you think of Sticks and Journey as in, in the same category? I think well, of Journey I saw as them like together. working class rock. I saw them together at Jones Beach. I mean, if they weren't the same genre, why the hell else would have they been doing a show together? That's a good question. Although, one time Jewel opened up for Ben Folds 5 and I saw that. Oh, dear Lord. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> so I saw this show, I don't know, the early 2000s. It was Sticks and Journey. I feel like there was one other bad band in there. And I like Journey. I, yeah, it's fine. They're fine. It was fun. I'm just saying they're not. They're no... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some other. There are no weird Al Yankovic in his band. <laughs> um, so I went to this show. I'm in my like early 20s. So I was doing coke. Maybe that's why I think of it as being affiliated with coke. Mrs. Miller, you if you're listening. cocaine at a live concert? <laughs> Mrs. Miller, if you're listening, to cover your ears. Uh, yeah, of course. I did coke everywhere when I was in my early 20s. Yeah. I never teens. did it at a live. Well, that's not true, I guess. In a New York, Brooklyn club is where you do out and cook. But I was just thinking, I was picturing it as an outdoor concert. For it was. It was at Jones Beach Amphitheater. Oh. <laughs> um, but I, I would do, you know, do it everywhere. There. Church. A synagogue. <laughs> yeah, we did pot. We did coke. We did everything. But look, here's the You were just going for it. You were yeah. like on a proverbial yacht in the moment. <laughs> exactly. Well, I was looking out at the yachts that were floating around in the harbor and I was like, one day I'll be on that yacht. And I've never <laughs> yet been on a yacht. And I blame sticks because <laughs> they're not yacht rock. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I got home from the show and in the foyer of my apartment building at the time, I came upon the unauthorized autobiography, oh wait, biography, unauthorized biography of (laughs) one Mr. John Z. DeLorean. (laughs) It just happened to be, it was almost like a sign from God above that that book of all books would be in my foyer for no reason. So being that I was still high on Coke and I had some more Coke, I took it and I read the whole thing from cover to cover. <laughs> on and cocaine? Yes, that's the only that's the only way to read the unauthorized biography of John yeah. Z. DeLorean. You really understand his plight. This must have been pre-bed books because I would never pick up a book from the lobby. <laughs> yeah, this was in the 1700s. <laughs> This is pre the bed bug scare of 2008 in New York. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This paper was chiseled into, the book was chiseled into stone. Um, so anyway, that's a, a little bit about me and my youth. And uh, I'm not proud of it, but I'm not not proud of it. It, ha- oh, yeah. it happened. Oh, Sticks is great. I'm glad that you went to go see them in concert. I went to go see, so for some reason, there's a an outdoor concert theater amphitheater i don't really know what to call it here in indiana and it used to be called the deer creek music center of some kind and now it's like 
the Verizon Wireless Center, or, you know, they changed it to something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but one year, my friend, Shannon, who has the same name as my sister, Shannon, um, decided that we should just buy tickets for every single show that they were having there in the summertime. <laughs> Regardless of, like, what it was, we were just, we just bought, like, season tickets, basically, to the concerts at Deer Creek. And so we went okay. to go see, like, Ben Folds 5. Mm-hmm. But also, like... Uh, Tom Petty, which, you know, this, what? Is, this is like the early 2000s, maybe even still like the late ni- 99. Wow, that's very sick. How was that? I know. It was awesome. Everyone in that audience was old except for us. And everyone was doing so much pot. And I, Lighten up. I, <laughs> I did not do pot. I don't even think that we were drinking. I just picture us as like these wholesome dorks, like sitting outdoors on a blanket watching Tom Petty. Like, I don't... I, maybe we were drinking, but, like, it's You're just, like, the two of us. probably eating Cool Ranch Doritos. That I can almost confirm for sure. <laughs> I just, like... We probably were smoking... I mean, she smoked pot, so I probably was, like, trying to pretend to smoke pot along mm-hmm. with her, but... Um, I just think it's really funny that we did that. The two of us, we went to every concert that they had there that, that year. Also, that were there any so expensive. It must have... How did you afford it? Did you I have a know. genie in a bottle or something? <laughs> I remember... I mean, I had worked always um mm. and at some point in between like going to community college in between high school and community college I got two jobs where I was working like one daytime job and one overnight Denny's shift mm-hmm. um so I've always I've, I was thinking about this the other day I've, I've had in my lifetime multiple periods where I've had two jobs I guess it's just my thing right um so I could have had a ton of money because I was still living at home and I was working two jobs and apparently never sleeping because I'm working overnights at Denny's <laughs> burning the midnight oil and then also working my day job and then I guess going I guess it was summers I wasn't going to college right. um so I guess I was loaded who knows you were very rich you had box seats to see Tom Petty box <laughs> picnic blanket seats <laughs> wait but I do want to tell you a story from my current life um, please that this happened to me, and I'm like, oh, I should tell this on the podcast. Um, hopefully, it's interesting. I just cracked myself up earlier this week. I was just driving around, which is what I do because I don't have a job yet. Um, and so I went to like the southern side of Indiana. So I ended up like down near Martinsville for Kelly, the only Indiana person listening to this. I was near Martinsville, but I was taking. Uh. Beautiful this time of year, Martinsville, isn't it? I was thinking like a state road. I wasn't (laughs) on the highway. And I was trying to find a thrift store that wasn't like a Goodwill, which is really difficult in Indiana. Most of them are Goodwills at at this point. Um, And so I saw a restored like VW van on the highway ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And I, like, convinced myself that these were, like, young kids that knew where the thrift store was, that I should just follow them. And <laughs> what? Run- Wherever they ended up, I would Nicole. be, like, in a cool town. I mean, we're on, a, like, a big highway with a bunch of cars. Like, there are uh, several cars in between me and the, the van. Um, and so, I, like, they, I mean, they're out there. You just um, thought they were going to the thrift store? Well, I was, like, I literally, I started following, like, 30 different vintage sellers on Instagram uh-huh. since I've been trapped in my parents' house okay. during COVID. And they're all always going on picking trips so right, right, right. they're always just like getting in their van and driving around <laughs> and being like, we're not going to tell you where we're going because it's, you know, purveyor secrets. Right. And I was like, somehow I'm so like lonely and insane here. I was just like, that cute restored Volkswagen van is definitely going to like a secret thrift store in or near Martinsville. And I'm going to follow them and find out where it is. So I did follow them. 
But they stayed on the main highway the entire time, so it was like not stalkery. But eventually, right. they did get they did get off of the road, and I pulled off the road, and I had to go around the block because they pulled off before I could see them. And I had to go around the block, and I go around the block, and the person who gets out of this van is like an ancient ninety-year-old man, and he's Did you like just... take his perfect Levi's off of here? Give me those Levi's. I knew you'd have and something he... cool. Pulled up in front of his house because he just lives in Martinsville. So he pulled up in front of his house, <laughs> got out of his van, and started talking to some other ancient man that just happened to be walking down the street. And I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> oh my god, that's that's hilarious. That's amazing. But I love that I just made up this entire scenario in my mind based on the fact that there was. But I'm like, of course, a perfectly restored like Volkswagen van could only belong to somebody old like there just aren't people i mean they're they're around probably yeah. more in california than indiana but like it's just the chances that it's like somebody hip and cool yeah and there was low. their stories is <laughs> they're very that, low it was a very weird connection for me to make but you now know, I know where that guy lives <laughs> thank thank god you know what would have been funny if um a, a couple of things one is if you had rolled down your window and got up to him and be like, I've been following you and tried to explain this story to him. No, he would not have been able to hear me. Right. <laughs> and you guys start like a sitcom between the two of you about like an elderly man and a wacky lady who <laughs> become best friends because she tried to follow him to the thrift store. <laughs> Uh-huh, and there's no threat of sexual attention because we're both middle-aged or 90, and so the audience will be on their seats. Will they or won't they? Die. <laughs> oh, God. Holy shit. All right, should we get into today's topic? Yeah, I also wanted to distract you with that story because my research is not as um, robust as I would like it to be. So I don't have a ton to say, but that's perfect. Cause I do have a lot to say and my research, my story ended up taking a serious turn. Oh no. But in, in a good way, we're going to, I think we're going to like it. Okay. I can already tell me much better than yours. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so we decided to do coffee. Coffee. Um, that's, I realize we've done it before, but we're taking a very <gasps> different angle. Not me and you, Brett and I, oh. and, uh, Dana I like, Cowan. Oh, well, yes. Coffee part two. Mm-hmm. The second, um, a free refill. <laughs> and so I decided to do coffee enemas because mm. I think that's what everybody's thinking about nowadays. Yeah. Have you ever done one? No. Have you ever done any enema? Uh, no. No, I don't think. No, I've never done. So, like a colonic is like also kind of like an enema, right? Where they shove mm-hmm. water. Yeah. No, I've it's never the same done thing. Enema. It's just that they give you. I went to go get a colonic one time, and I accidentally made the appointment in Minneapolis, Minnesota, <laughs> for some reason. I googled Instead of like New York, and I was in New York, and I like called a <laughs> colonic place, and they're like, "Uh, just confirming your appointment for tomorrow. It's on like South Bear Town Road or something." And I was just like, "What? What are you talking about? Where is that downtown? <laughs> what is that in the financial fidei?" They're like, "Huh." <laughs> I was like, where is this place? They're like, Minneapolis. And I was like, maybe I'm not supposed to get an enema today. But I did. I went to Minneapolis. Just kidding. Oh, my God. This could only happen to you. Truth. Um, so you never had one then is what you're trying to I say. did. I had one. I went to a place in New York, like, the following day. Did you see all your poop chunks come out? Mm, no, I didn't look. 
I didn't uh, look at it. I felt it. And I have an enema kit at my home. You do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, so you it's really yourself- good. I haven't done it yet, but um, I bought one because it was recommended to me by a friend who's an herb, my be- one of my best friends who's an herbalist. And she's like, you really should start doing this because it's supposed to be like, well, I don't want to ruin your research, but it's supposed to be really good for you. Not necessarily with coffee, but which is water. Well, my research is the opposite of that. So, <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad that I have. Yeah, it's a bucket. It's under my bathroom sink. I'm so sorry, Mrs. Miller, if you're still listening. Now, not only do you know that I've done cocaine, but also that I am planning to give myself an enema at some point. <laughs> um, okay. So, we have been, as a human race, have been doing enemas in one way or another since the, the old ancient times. So, um, at some point, they thought that it would get rid of demons if they were in you. Um, they were also used to administer hallucinogenics uh, Ooh, for rituals like in the ancient times. Um, so they've been around. So, you know, that lends itself to the idea that, you know, maybe they're not all that bad if they were doing it in the ancient times. But who knows? Mm-hmm. Um obviously you know western science who can trust anybody really these days so i'm just going to fast forward to when coffee enemas started getting really popular here in the united states because that's all i care about Mm, Uh, yes the good old u.s american enema foundation from the 1930s so they were around i they don't i mean this isn't official they had i read some very unreliable website that said that the reason why we do coffee enemas is because in World War II, <laughs> uh, there were so many injured men that the doctors were working on that they had to drink coffee to stay up for 24 hours or more. And oh. sometimes the men were constipated from the morphine. And so the nurses would give them water enemas to help them out with that. And so the nurses decided, well, why waste all this extra coffee that the doctors are drinking? So I'm going to toss one into one of the patients. And I, as I was reading this, I was like, hmm, I don't think this is... Cup and all? I'm just kidding. (laughs) So I think this person just made up a story about coffee enemas and published it on a website. The origin story. (laughs) God bless you. Um, I love that it had to be in World War II. I know. Um, I wish, though, that that was more of an origin story of, like, how, like, the chocolate chip cookie origin story myth. Like, and then the chips just accidentally fell into the cookie dough. Like, (laughs) I just love the idea of a nurse, like, looking over at the coffee, which I guess is just brewing where all the men are laying in their beds. And she's like, let's don't waste this coffee. Let's stick it up their butts. Um, I I like to think that it fell in by accident. (laughs) Or it was like a big mix-up. Like, and then she reached for a glass of water, but really it was blazing hot coffee. (laughs) (laughs) A glass of water. Um, So I got most of this information from a different, potentially more reliable website called Mm TheAtlantic.com. And they say that in the 1930s, Dr. Gerson, Gerson... I don't know. Dr. Max Gerson, mm. who is actually kind of well-known, uh, came up with something called Gerson's therapy, or Gerson, if you're French. Excuse. <laughs> um, but his whole deal was that he thought that you could combat cancer by being vegetarian, drinking hourly glasses of organic juice, um, and doing coffee enemas. Mm. So... 
this therapy is still popular today, even though they have actually done scientific studies uh, and none of the studies have ever shown that anyone has prevented or reduced their cancer from this From a coffee enema. Well, from drinking raw juice, being vegetarian, and also coffee enemas. So Mm. essentially what what the FDA says is that, you know, there is no, like, toxin that is associated with cancer specifically. So, like, detoxing in general is not gonna help the cancer in this specific way allegedly well i think it just has a lot to do and this is this is for a more boring episode um but i believe and we'll have to get an expert on here um dr gerson please call into the show but i think it's just like the more toxins that are in your body um help to like break down the walls of the cells that we need to stay healthy so that cancer doesn't form that is my understanding of sure. toxins. Basically, they they rigorously have tried to study his particular approach, and it has resulted in zero cancer prevention. But who is they? Dr. Fauci? We can't trust him. <laughs> no, not Dr. Fauci. The scientists. <laughs> the only doctor I know. Him no, and but Dr. They some, Quinn. <laughs> they did some controlled and some random studies. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Drinking raw juice isn't going to prevent your cancer. There's actually a whole other podcast we could do about that um that woman who was who said basically she was pushing this kind of similar lifestyle um the moon juice lady no this woman said that she had cancer and that she was cured of it because she drank raw juice only and like did all these supplements that she tried to get other people to buy and it turned out that she did not have cancer at all oh let's do that i do i do people with real cancer believed her and oh that's terrible we should definitely do that as an episode i drink raw juice every day but it's not to prevent cancer i just it's delicious and i feel like it's good for me but i don't know when i say like good for me i don't really like necessarily think like it's gonna i'm not thinking specifically about cancer do whatever you want to do i'm just telling you what these western doctors say and we all know that we can't trust the western doctors but i no. I have a healthy skepticism about you needing to clean out your own bowels and mm. the fact that your body can do it itself. Right. Your it's body is set up to clean out your bowels for you. It is a wonderland, your body. But what our bodies aren't set up for, I will counter with, is all the stuff that we eat that's unnatural that there doesn't that they bleh, that our bodies don't necessarily know how to process, right? And even like stuff that's like in our water at this point that like isn't meant to be there, and all this other stuff that I think that would be my only argument for why we might need to to have you know a little extra help in that area. Sure. Listen, home enemas aren't that bad for you. You don't want to do use them to access because it actually does dehydrate you, but it's fine. Um, I'm doing okay. one right now. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> For this episode, I decided I would do an enema live on the air. <laughs> <laughs> so your voice sounds the same when you're lying down as when you're sit- sitting up. <laughs> That's not what it sounds like. <laughs> it's live from the enema. <laughs> okay. So anyway, this the reasoning that a coffee enema is good for you is that it stimulates your glutathione S transference system by 700%. So oh my God. That sounds good. 
It also cleans. It takes your blood and it cleans it right out. That's what this uh, Dr. Gorson says. Are you sick Um, and tired of filthy, dirty blood? (laughs) (laughs) Dirty, disgusting blood. Get it clean. Um, But it's also interesting, this article points out that um, they decided, (laughs) they invented the coffee enema, or at least like this line of health food thinking did, because they were like, well, it's not possible for a human being to reasonably ingest a liter of coffee. Mm. But that was in 1930. But like now, this article points out that a Trenta at Starbucks is 33 ounces. So a liter is, or sorry, a liter is 33 ounces, and a Trenta of coffee from Starbucks is 30 ounces. So nowadays, humans do drink way too much coffee. So you could just drink that much coffee a liter's worth and not have to put it in your butt. Yeah, it's easier to put in your mouth than it is in your butt. Unless, like, well, we're going to go over my story. It's (laughs) blazing lava hot. But also, if you have a sensitive stomach, you know, maybe having it absorbed through your butthole is easier than having it on your sensitive stomach lining. You know? It's a shame there's only two holes. I wish, if I had a fourth (laughs) wish, I would wish for more (laughs) holes. Yeah. Uh, That sounds like a porn. (laughs) Uh, so the FDA has been very outspoken against enemas. Uh, there's also a very small chance that you can pop your colon like a balloon. Oh, good Lord. Ugh, the thought of it. The thought of it is too much. In 1980, the Journal of American Medical Association reported that two people had died from coffee enemas. (laughs) What a way to go. What a ridiculous way to die. (laughs) Can you imagine? What a well, horrible, it's a good stupid thing this way is to die! The internet, because people on Instagram are always like, "How did he die?" And the family <laughs> always has to respond. But now, in, the, in 1980, that wasn't an issue. You're like, "He's dead." If you didn't see his <laughs> obituary in the newspaper, you're out of luck. That's true. They're just like the guys. Like I thought, Trente was medium. <laughs> just puts like a Trente up his butt. <laughs> uh, it's Trenta. Okay. Also, one time I <laughs> I had to drink a Trenta because. It was right after they came out, and the Starbucks that I went to was like, we're out of the venti, which is like the 20-ounce large. Mm. You simply must have a Trenta instead. And no extra charge. And I was like, okay, fine. And so I got 33 ounces of iced tea. Wow, that's so much. A lot. A lot, yeah. I don't even know if I drank it all. Who knows? Um, Let's see. Oh, okay. So there is a episode of my strange addiction remember that show yes where they eat couches and stuff this couple um was addicted to coffee enemas and this woman said that they typically did it up to four times a day but she (gasps) had at some point in her life done it 10 times in one day that's the whole day that's the whole day that you finish one you start another one how who is that kind of time they pointed out in the article that they work from home so it's easier for them to do coffee enemas all day long (laughs) Uh, dear Jonathan, I hope this email finds you well. I'm currently <laughs> shoving coffee into my asshole. <laughs> Can um, you imagine? People could be do anything, doing anything writing emails now. Yeah, well, this is before Zoom, you know? It was a different time. We lived yeah. our lives in a different way, although they did decide to go on television. Um, also, I'm assuming they didn't so- sleep because if they're all that caffeine, they probably had 24 full hours to, to do enemas. <laughs> right. They... We're also on a yacht, but they were having a different experience. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and that is who formed the band Sticks. They said that 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 ten times a day or four times a day is the equivalent of thirty three cans of Red Bull in terms of the caffeine <gasps> that you're ingesting. I'm horrified. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Um, and then they they're like, well, humans can tolerate a lot of caffeine, but most people go to the hospital for smaller amounts. So they basically were talking about oh, because of the increase in the popularity of energy drinks, there have been lots more hospitalizations. And we talked about this when we did the monster right. drink episode. But um <laughs> so there have just been a lot of people being hospitalized because of too much caffeine, um, since energy drinks have come on the tape. But they also said that there's this tip there's this type of therapy for depression where they try to induce a seizure by giving you caffeine intravenously and so they give you 2,000 milligrams intravenously and that's supposed to induce a seizure which will then I guess make you happy depression <laughs> I'd happy. rather have an electroshock therapy I think it's yeah it's like aren't you happy that you're not having a seizure any, anymore <laughs> <laughs> are you tired of having seizures or not having seizures um so yeah so to date there's no scientific evidence that says that enemas are good or that they help you or that they are a good way. I mean, they will administer caffeine, but that it's a good way. It's also possible that um, there's a lot of fear mongering around it on the web, but mm. um, they're like, it dehydrates you. It could, it could have caused an increased likelihood of you contracting HIV. Um, what? Why? Because... Flooding your colon with water actually dehydrates it, and so supposedly it wants to absorb like more sperm. Supposedly, but also it's like <clears throat> sounds kind of like anti. They're also saying that like it could be more. It makes it irritated, so it's more likely to, you know, if the skin is irritated. I don't know. I mm. I was just like this. Just sounds like fear mongering to me. It does, yeah. Um, because plenty of people, you know, do that, and yeah. it seems. So, yeah, coffee enemas. Well, if you're going to have anal sex, too, it's, like, um, a good thing to give yourself an enema, I think. I mean, from all the anal sex that I've been having all pandemic long, that's why I got the enema. No, um, I just, you know, I know that from people who have a lot of anal sex. They say that they do enemas a lot, and that makes some sense people, Yeah, some people do. I mean, some people also are just like, that's where poop comes from, so you know, get used to it. So it depends on what you're into. But yeah, I think that in that way, I also know people that regularly give themselves enemas and are happy, healthy, and thriving. (laughs) Thriving with enema and leaking. I wonder... (laughs) (laughs) I guess we'll find out when I finish this enema at the end of the episode. Um, mm-hmm. That was riveting content. Very well told. I disagree that it wasn't a fleshed out story. I think it was amazing. And <laughs> uh, I love it. And we're going to take a quick break. And I'm fingies and toes crossed that this show is going to either be brought to us today by coffee or enemas. Or both. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Tuk Tuk Box, a Southeast Asian woman-founded company with a mission to share Southeast Asian culture and experiences through food. They offer curated subscription boxes and products, partnering with vetted small business owners and local farmers from Southeast Asian communities. 
Their signature Southeast snack box is available in three funky levels, perfect for all palates. You can either purchase a one-time box or sign up for a monthly subscription. Tuk Tuk Box is sharing Southeast Asian stories at your doorstep. Get your first box at tuktukbox.com. That's T-U-K-T-U-K-Box.com. And, Nicole, it happens that we are back. We're back from break. Welcome. Guys, was the show brought to you by Big Enema? We'll never know. We'll never know. I hope it was brought to us by Supertramp. Oh, yeah, that would also be extremely appropriate. Okay, so I'm going to do a story today about something. Now, how I came to doing this story is very interesting. So (laughs) I go to East One Coffee um, for my coffee pretty much every morning on the corner of Court and Carroll. And all of the baristas and baristos, um, is it just one barista, baristo? It's just barista, right? I think it's just barista. Oh, all the priests that <laughs> all the priest bras that uh, work there are super nice, and um, I always well, yeah, I guess I always order an extra hot latte. I've been doing that this winter. It's it's a new vibe I'm trying out. I like it for myself. I'm gonna have to wane off of it soon as it's gonna be inappropriate temperature wise. But I'm getting all <laughs> the ones in that I possibly extra can. Extra hot latte. Wow. After my run. I like to stop by and get a coffee and I'm not really like, I don't eat very much in the morning. So after a big long run, it feels like a little bit of, you know, calories. And I'm also concerned about osteoporosis. So I'm trying to chug <laughs> all that milk. <laughs> well, you know, milk's not the best way to absorb calcium, but, um, I prefer it to <laughs> eating clay. <laughs> so anyway, but why extra hot? They tend because... to be pretty hot when you get them, don't they? No, to me, they don't. No. First of all, I like things extreme, uh, like much like my hero Dan Cortez from. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, I like things extreme. No, seriously, like I like like really cold things. I like really hot food. Like I, I don't like a tepid anything. I don't like a tepid latte. It doesn't do it for me. It just feels like a letdown. And also, I chug things at a rapid pace. So if it's not really hot, I'm gonna drink it in like under thirty seconds. And then my one treat of the day is, like, over in 30 seconds. So I want it to last at least a minute and a half. I feel like they're scalding the milk to make it, like, 140 degrees for you. Well, whatever, whatever's happening, it's working for me. So Is it, an, is it non-dairy milk or are you using... No, no, regular milk. I'm, I'm, not, milk I'm not into non-dairy milk anymore. I, had, I experimented with it. I'm, it's ultimately not for me. So... Yeah. This all brings me to my point is that I walked in the other day and I was like, just randomly, I was like, can I get a latte? And I was just so tired of my dumb, boring, like Carol Garden self being like, can I get an extra hot latte? I was like, can I get a latte lawsuit hot, please? You you said that? Yes. And we all had a good, we laughed and laughed about it. And um, one of the priests there was like, hey, do you actually know the real story about that? about that McDonald's lawsuit, coffee lawsuit. I was like, I don't actually. Oh, you don't? Um, I thought we talked, we talked about it on the show. No, I don't know yeah. the real story about it. And if we talked about it, I blanked it out of my memory. I, I also didn't... a really great podcast about it on a different podcast. <laughs> okay, Which podcast? Mm, I Is it you're wrong it about? Maybe. 
Because this really seems like a You're Wrong About episode, but I just couldn't find it on their feed. Anyway, no, so I, don't think it's <clears throat> I just knew it from, like, something that happened in the early 90s. Um, there, there's tons of parodies about it growing up. Like, it's been a cultural kind of in the zeitgeist and a reference, like, for as long as I can remember. But I never really knew the real story. I knew the Seinfeld episode in which, like, they parody it and, like, Kramer spills hot coffee on himself in the movie theater. Then Jackie Childs, like, tries to sue the company and he settles for free coffee for life. And it's hilarious. But the real story is fucking awful. And... Very awful. It's really awful. It's a bit of an Aaron Brockovich situation here. And it's actually... I did a bigger deep dive after watching this documentary film that was made about... called Hot Coffee... Which then expanded into it going literally all the way to the very top. So, I'm about to present to you the story of Blazing Hot Coffee. I got most of my information from a very interesting documentary um, called Hot Coffee. um, And it is a documentary film made by Susan Saladoff. It came out in 2011. I highly recommend you watch it. It's really, really, really sad. And really very informative and very interesting. Um, I also got information from an article from Vox by Herman Lopez. And it was called, What a Lot of People Get Wrong About the Infamous uh, 1994 McDonald's Coffee Lawsuit. So, according to the National Coffee Association, your favorite association, um, which many large companies in the food and beverage industry listen to, coffee should be served at around 180 to 185 degrees. That's fucking extremely hot. It sure is. Um, it's really hot. Now, the temperature of boiling water is 212 degrees, unless you're in a high-altitude place where water will boil at around 202 degrees. Whoa. It's, it's really hot. Like, if you're in Denver, the water boils at 202. <clears throat> Weird. Science. Weird science. <laughs> Weird science. That funky, funky science. So, for them, the saying, a watched pot never boils. Is not <laughs> it's <true>. very different. <laughs> it watch pod boils quicker when you're here in Denver. That's their town motto. Um, okay. So 155 degree water can burn you with, if, give you a first degree burn if it's on your skin for five seconds. That's 155 degrees. Um, your bath water is like 104 degrees. If you take like a pretty hot bath, it's 104. So... 180 degrees is the recommended temperature for coffee. Seems really hot to me. Um, The year is 1992. A 79-year-old adorable woman named Stella (laughs) Liebeck. She couldn't be any cuter or, like, littler or more of a grandma. Um, And her grandson stopped at McDonald's in Albuquerque, New Mexico, on their way back from dropping off a family member at the airport. Uh, They parked the car. She gets a coffee and some food. Um, she puts it in between her knees so that she can put cream and sugar into it. And as she's doing that, it spills into her lap and she is her horrifically burned. Horrifically burned. Her skin peeling off. Peeling off all over her. She burns her vagina nearly off. Um, and I honestly think that part of the reason that this story doesn't get more, like, got, well, I mean, we'll find out in a minute why it was so terribly bastardized, but... I honestly think that the reporting because didn't want to say that a a woman they didn't want to say vagina they didn't want to talk about a seventy nine year old woman's vagina but that's what happened she burned her vagina and her inner thighs quite badly 
very bad. Also, they, they had to do like skin grafts, and that I never until I listened to this podcast, which I, I looked it up. It's the Swindled podcast, which oh, I, yes. I love. Oh, yes. Good podcast. Um, but they, I had no idea, you know, and I grew up hearing that story. I'm like older, so that I was like old enough to hear all the jokes about it. And it's, it's also one of those cautionary tales about like people are going to sue you for no, you know, like one of those right. things. Well, we're going to get into that in a moment. That's where I'm taking okay. this. Great. But, so, Liebeck acknowledged uh, that the spill was her fault. What she took issue with was that the coffee was so hot. It was at 190 degrees. That's near boiling. And um, McDonald's apparently knew that the coffee was this safe because over the previous decade, McDonald's had received 700 reports of people burning themselves from their coffee. McDonald's admits that the coffee was a hazard at such a high temperature, but continued the practice enforced by the official McDonald's by the higher-ups, of heating its coffee to near-boiling. Right, because they knew... Did you hear about... I'm sorry. I'm, no, that's they, okay. They knew that it would be cheaper for them to settle the lawsuits than to actually... Change the policy. The exactly. Yeah. McDonald's claims that customers wanted this their coffee this hot. Like, I mean... <laughs> but they're still making... Well, I'll tell you that in a minute. But this is, like, industry standard still. Uh, Liebeck didn't want to go to court. She just wanted McDonald's to pay her medical expenses, estimated at $20,000. McDonald's offered $800, leading her to file a lawsuit two years later in 1994. After hearing the evidence, the jury concluded that McDonald's handling of its coffee was so irresponsible that Liebeck should get more than the $20,000, suggesting almost $3 million uh, to send the company a message. Liebeck settled for less than 600 or a little over $600,000 and McDonald's began changing temporarily how it heated up its coffee. Now, the horrible thing about this is that this old woman who had her vagina burned off has been maligned for the past uh, like three decades as some kind of like greedy, money-hungry shithead who we all need to be careful of. Even I, like, even I thought that. And I'm not somebody who tends to, like, not believe the little guy and favor McDonald's. But there's something that's so ingrained in our brains about this specific thing as the, like, trope of uh, dishonesty. And it so goes against what, like, who cares? I mean, I'm going to talk about this later, but who cares? Even if people are lying. We, why do we care so much if working class people get money from McDonald's? <laughs> You know what I mean? Seriously. Like, McDonald's can afford it. <laughs> right. So, I ask you this question, Nicole. How did the how do you think the public's view of this case got so warped? I bet you're not going to even begin to guess who the fuck is responsible for this. But when I tell you, it's going to make perfect sense. But I'll tell you in a minute. Is it Bill Clinton? <laughs> no. Actually, Bill Clinton is vehemently against what we're about to talk about and signed, vetoed all kinds of legislation trying to put caps on um, lawsuit. <laughs> But that doesn't make him a good guy. But <clears throat> anyway, so according to lawyers, uh, according to Conover, lawyers spent years running a disinformation campaign, which much of the media bought into holding up the McDonald's coffee lawsuit as an example of a supposed epidemic in frivolous lawsuits. The last several, the last several decades, large corporations, afraid of being sued for making unsafe products, created front groups like Citizens Against Lawsuits Abuse, like, a, like different citizen action, you know, committees to turn public opinion against lawsuits. University of Washington professor Michael McCann told Conover, 
But the best social science evidence shows that the number of personal injury lawsuits in recent decades has declined and the median payout is only about $55,000. So like we, you know what I mean? Like we think that like people are going around suing and getting hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's just so odd that even like I even, I'm just really thinking about myself. Like I don't, I don't think like this. Like I don't feel like people shouldn't get money, but for some reason in the back of my mind, I don't think about this that much to begin with, but if I did, you know what I mean? There's some part of me that is like, oh, people with frivolous lawsuits, like it's just, it's deeply ingrained. So. Well, I think also as a small business owner that comes to play. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Now, these lawsuits are called tort lawsuits. Um, And... Tort lawsuits are basically known to the public as frivolous lawsuits. The definition of tort is a wrongful act or an infringement of a right other than under contract, leading to a civil legal liability. And this is where we enter the master of tort reform, which is a very bad thing. Tort reform is terrible. It is, as we will learn, um, is the, the goal is to cap or completely negate the public's ability to recoup money for damages if you have been hurt by uh, a corporation or, you know, whatever. So enter Carl Rove. Nicole, are you familiar with Carl Rove? I'm sure you are. Yes. Okay. Public, if you don't know who Carl Rove is, he is perhaps the biggest monster known today (laughs) to American, one of the biggest monsters in American history and responsible for all the hits like the Iraq war and tort reform. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so anyway, Carl Christian Rove was born on December 25th, 1950. Um, and he is a, an American Republican political consultant, policy advisor and lobbyist. He was a senior, most famously the senior advisor and deputy chief of staff during George W. Bush administration until he resigned in 2007. So, are you still with me? Mm-hmm. Isn't this I'm kind here. of... It's riveting. It gets even more riveting. So Carl Rove basically began his career as a political consultant and professional creep in the nineteen uh, late 1960s, early 1970s. By the late 1980s, he begins collaborating with a guy named Bob Perry, who is a major political donor in Texas. He was like a house builder, and he's one of the people... I think he's donated the most money to Texas political campaigns of anyone in history. He is, he's now dead, but in his time. So their goal was to fund various Republican candidates and provide fake issues to be used in political campaigns. And using these tactics, they little by little patiently expanded the Republican power in Texas. So before this, there was, a, and not to say that these people are better, but there was a lot of like Dixiecrats and stuff all over right. the South, which were just Democrats, racist, horrible Democrats with, a liberal agenda, but it was more democratic. Um, not that that's good or bad necessarily, but that's what it was. Um, it's until bad. it's, I mean, yeah, they're both bad. Both options are bad, and that is actually the problem. And that is the point of the story. We can't trust anyone. <laughs> Bernie, twenty twenty. Okay. Um. In the okay, so in the Golden Triangle of Beaumont. Uh, area of Texas, you have a lot... This is kind of an explanation for, like, where all these kind of lawsuits started popping up and why Carl Rove became interested. You have a lot of plants that made asbestos and other things that used a lot of chemicals and oil refinery. And so the cases uh, from people who would get sick from, like, asbestos plants and such would come to the Supreme Court. 
Uh, and somebody who, let's say, would work for an oil refinery down in Corpus Christi uh, or somebody gets hurt, claims long-term poisoning, and a big case, uh, your typical tort case looks kind of like something like this. So a worker from the company would be poisoned and claiming he was poisoned, and then he would sue the company. And the trial lawyers and the tort lawyers would come with this guy, um, and the corporate defense lawyers would you know, take the side of the major company that was being sued. And this would go through the various higher and lower courts until they reached the Supreme Court in Texas. So let's say the Supreme Court sided with the little guy all the time, which they did in the, up until the late 80s. It became, in effect, a plaintiff's court. And the Supreme Court in Texas was ruling almost every time in favor of the plaintiff. The effect of this is that you get higher malpractice rates for doctors' insurance costs, uh, Rise and some people perceive it as an ill to society to have too many verdicts in favor of the plaintiff, particularly well, ill Republicans. to society if you don't have Medicare for all. <laughs> exactly. If there was Medicare for all, none of this would happen. That's the point. The people who see it as an ill to society are people who do not support Medicare, which are Democrats and Republicans. Yes. Um, Republicans are lobbied, but it's pretty much all Republicans and some Democrats. Republicans are lobbied by big companies like Philip Morris, who's posed, who also Karl Rove consulted for, uh, and the big companies, insurance companies, don't want to pay. So in layman's terms, really just like they see all these tort lawsuits happening, and so then they begin to like lobby um, and run Supreme Court candidates to end tort lawsuits because it's costing their clients like a lot of money it's costing big companies money money. it's just so crazy to to think that like the whole rationale is that like if someone rightfully sues somebody for malpractice then they get rightfully some money then the insurance companies then react by saying well it's gonna cost more money guys like that the whole thing the whole system is just like messed up it's terrible instead of being like oh you're running a company that's killing people. You're making coffee that's burning people when they drink it. Like, how about let's enforce some regulation? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and some we don't even need punishment. to get into like all of the companies that have like repeatedly killed and poisoned their workers by using crazy chemicals. Like, those people. <laughs> anyway, I'm pretty no, sure. But, but of course, no, but like the thing is, it's just so fucked up because it's part of this whole vicious cycle because they don't want to punish them because they're making money off of it too. Yes. Um, and then enters the whole thing where they're like, now Carl Rove is in here, um, you know, doing campaigns for Supreme Court justices in Texas and he flips the entire state. So like basically every Supreme Court justice is a Republican that is, uh, anti, who wants tort reform. They've made it this huge thing. Instead of looking at real issues or how to actually solve the problem, they're just looking at how to save corporations money and then convincing the citizens that it's a problem. So then they're creating citizen action groups and creating propaganda to make it seem like frivolous lawsuits are hugely problematic when they're not at all. And convincing voters on bills to like put caps on personal injury cases because they've distorted this. I mean, it didn't start with the McDonald's case, but the McDonald's coffee case was huge in like propagandizing this entire thing to make people think that they need to vote on bills to vote against their own rights. Like in this movie, in this documentary, there's this one, they briefly mention a guy who gets like horribly hurt. And then he's like, well, I want to sue. And they're like, well, you vote. They asked him if he had voted on this bill that had recently passed for tort reform. He's like, yeah, but that's for people who have like crazy lawsuits. 
So there's this whole idea that like people are just out there and and doing like it's it takes a lot to go to court first of all. Yeah, it takes, it takes a long time and it takes a long time and and also lawyers as much as like we are like taught to think that there's this trope of the trial lawyer and I'm not saying that doesn't exist but that just wants to like chase an ambulance and like and like most lawyers are not going to waste their time. I shouldn't say most. A lot of lawyers are not going to waste their time with a case that has no legs. So if they're taking the case, it has a good chance that there's a reason, you know? Yeah. It's it's insane. Anyway, so Tort reform was one of the biggest issues for, you guessed it, George W. Bush, America's now, I guess, favorite adorable president who's really well, just like such a monster. If you, if anyone has a, a question about like why we don't like <laughs> the Obamas, look no further. And I shouldn't say, I don't want to say I don't fully don't like the Obamas, but I haven't, I definitely have issues with the Obamas. I'll just say. Oh, I would, I think I don't like them. I know that you fully don't like them. I just, like, I'm sorry, but, like, watching Michelle Obama cuddle with George Bush is, like, <laughs> disgusting. It's really a fucking he's so problem. Because <laughs> he's so ugly? Yeah. It's just a fucking problem. It's, like, don't forget, just because he's, like, not as um, triggering and, dis- like, publicly disgusting and uh, uncouth as Donald Trump, that he's not a horrible person, a warmonger to the nth degree, uh, a pig, an idiot, uh, definitely a <laughs> Sticks fan. So definitely on a yacht doing coke. But anyway, I digress. But so one of the biggest issues of the George W. Bush campaign that he was pushing was tort reform. Um, continued the false promises to voters that he had been doing uh, in Texas for years. He had been running on that when he ran for governor. And that capped or eliminated settlements, that capping or, de- or eliminating se- settlements would decrease health care costs and improve um, the kind of health care system that we had. Obviously, this never happened. And for some odd reason, he would mention OBGYNs every single time that he gave this speech. It was like, and OBGYNs can't do their job on vaginas. <laughs> you know what? OBGYNs should talk about how, why in this developed country, so many women die of childbirth. Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, but so a lot of, I mean, look, there is some issues. I know this from people that are good doctors and good people that there are issues with being sued that make it really difficult to sometimes give the care that you, I think that's the other side of this coin that we need to look at. Um, for the, you know, good doctors that are out there that like, sometimes they want to give you a certain kind of care and there's so much red tape, um, and fear of being sued that sometimes they just don't. Uh, I don't know how often that happens. I just know it's a, it's an issue that I've heard raised by someone that I know that actually is an OBGYN who's a friend of the family. But, uh, anyway, so Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse Groups linked to the national network fen- funded by major tobacco and corporate money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. The CALA, which is Citizens Against Lawsuits for Abuse, Blueprint, was honored and was honed in South Texas in the early 1990s. Texas Governor George W. Bush, who raised more than $4 million in gubernatorial races from Texas tort reform groups, has been one of the Texas CALA's most prominent champion. A principal focus of CALA groups 
since the mid-1990s has been to ensure the election of pro-industry state judges and defeat judges who typically support plaintiff verdicts or have voted to strike down state tort law restrictions as unconstitutional. So it's all going in a circle, right? It's the same people mm-hmm. like who are working for the tobacco companies that don't, you know what I mean, who are like Carl Rove worked for Philip Morris and is into tort reform because guess who's probably getting sued all the time for co- killing people with their cigarettes. It's also just funny that it's called the citizens for whatever, but it's backed by corporations. Yeah, and it's against the citizens. It's fucking insane. <laughs> There's been a shift towards signing um, aberration clauses, which for, oh, arbitration clauses. So this is another part of this movie, which is very interesting. So now a lot of companies within the past couple of decades, like Halib, there's just one horrible story about a, a woman who joined the army and went to work for Halliburton and oh, no. um, was raped and she had uh, signed an arbitration clause and she tried to sue Halliburton and arbitration is terrible. You are signing away your right to sue and only use an arbitrator. And the arbitrators are essentially always working for the corporations. Yeah. Um, Halliburton, a whole other great Bush I era mean, company. <laughs> oh, good old Hall. This show hopefully was is brought to you by Halliburton. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> on here on the Heritage Radio. Um, in all fairness, trial lawyers are huge lobbyists and donors to the Democratic Party. Well, I mentioned that Bill Clinton and Barack Obama have both been very anti-tort reform. Um, And I also tried to look into see if Biden and Harris uh, had some secret tort reform allegiances. (laughs) They do not. They are both very much against tort reform as well. That doesn't mean I like them. It just means that they are not uh, tort reformist. At least they are not publicly, although I'm sure if it's lining their pockets, (laughs) they'll tort with the best of them. (laughs) Absolutely. They'll reform every tort they see. Yeah. Hey, is that a tort? Looks like you need a little reform. You know what's funny? I've been rewatching The Sopranos, and right after I did my research for this the other day, I put on an episode about it's the best episode, I think, of The Sopranos, and maybe of any show ever made. It's called White Caps, and I think it's the season four finale. And uh, Tony goes to buy this house down the shore, and the lawyer gets, like, this guy's going to buy it from gets on the phone, and he's like, uh, don't worry, like, I'm going to kill him in t- with tort. Or, like, I'm going to take him to, like, for a tort case or something. And I've never <laughs> heard it before. And then all of a sudden I hear it. That's, like, very weird. Um. Okay, I have just a little bit more to go, Amanda. I'm sorry. I know we're going over, but this everyone's on the edge of their seat. Yes. Um. This is essentially why we need campaign finance reform. Both sides are playing games with our lives. This is written by me. Both sides are playing games with our <laughs> lives to line their pockets. Okay? So... I personally think that this all boils down to campaign finance reform. If, you know, corporations weren't allowed to donate these massive amounts of money and lobby people in the way they do, we wouldn't have this kind of thing happening in the first place. Um, and then I wrote in all caps, they cheat, they cheat and cheat, but they don't want poor working class folks to get to do the same thing. Who cares if someone gets too much money from fucking Pfizer? Which is just like, to me, I'm like, all these people do. I mean, I'm speaking about the Republicans now. They're notorious cheaters, but they're all cheaters. Is just try to find ways to stay rich and cheat the system. I mean, what is the stock market? What is everything that these people do? And the minute they see working class or poor or people of color trying to get a little, even if it is cheating, they're like, no, not you. You can't. That's cheating. 
It's like, right. fuck you. Like, you know what I mean? They don't pay any taxes. They don't do anything to give back to the communities that they exploit. And also, they want to make sure that those people don't have any opportunity to take a couple of dollars for them. It's ridiculous. It's the same thing with, like, the argument that, like, um, they were making during the pandemic. And they were talking about, well, some people might get $1,200 a week. And they they don't even, you know, they don't need it. Blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever. And they maybe they won't go to work. And Bernie Sanders was just like, who gives a shit if they get an extra fucking $1,200 a week? Who cares if a couple like, people get extra money? Also, like, what are you even talking about? $1,200 is, like, nothing. Like, it's not even enough to do anything. You can't, it's ridiculous. You can't even pay a month's rent with that. So. And we just all need to remember is that these people who have such a fucking hairy eyeball on anybody getting something for free, on anyone getting, on people who need welfare, on that being too much, on that they're the ones who are like, well, n- not you. You couldn't possibly, look at your frivolous lawsuits. What happened? Your vagina was burned off? Well, go cry about it. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's it's funny because I just started this. I was like, I'm going to just do this as like a funny story. And it's so far from funny. And it's a reminder to myself as someone who thinks of myself as like, you know, wanting to champion people in the working class and like pro working class, pro poor, you know, all of it. Uh, that even though that's where my head's at, I, I am still even susceptible to being... I don't know, propagandized towards yeah. believing this bullshit. Yeah. So I think it's a pretty interesting story. And thank you for listening to me rant and rave. <laughs> it's been a while since we talked shit about the Obamas. I know. <laughs> Fuck you. Don't cuddle George Bush. <laughs> and also, anyone who voted for the Iraq War in general should not be eligible to be president. Um, <laughs> she, oh, so I want to just finish by telling you a little bit about uh, the heroine of our story, um, because this is how it all started. So Stella Lieback, this beautiful angel, remained in the hospital for eight days while she underwent skin grafting. During this period, Lieback, who was already a small old lady, lost 20 pounds nearly 20% of her body weight, reducing her to 83 pounds. After the hospital stay, Lieback needed care for three weeks, which was provided by her daughter. Lieback suffered because we don't even have the healthcare system to support an 80-year-old woman who's had her genitals burned off. She have to send them home. Uh, Lieback suffered permanent disfigurement after the incident was partially disabled for two years. McDonald's still sells his coffee at this temperature. And I also just want to mention, as someone who has... Uh, gotten a settlement from a lawsuit that um you know there's no way to really quantify the pain and suffering that you endure through life like at mine is not terrible like some people with medical malpractice and their children in this bit in this movie this documentary um these people one of their two twins just lost air and the gynec the OBGYN like didn't catch it even though it was so preventable and this, this kid has major issues now and can't live to the fullest ability that he could have if they didn't do that. And so there's no way to quantify. You can't put a number on that really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I will just say is like, I didn't receive millions of dollars, but it was, um, a really traumatic experience that like is baked into me and, um, I was, I felt fortunate to be able to get a little bit of money 
to have a shot to do something else after that. And it doesn't heal it. Money is not like the thing that heals anything, but you know, what else, what else can we offer people who go through bad experiences at the hand of somebody else and someone else's, you know, mistakes and fuck ups and intentional damaging. So that's it. That's my story. <laughs> Great story. Bernie 2020. Okay. Oh people. <laughs> That is my fifth wish. We're going to build a time machine. You're all going to go back and vote for Bernie. Our fallen hero. Our fallen hero. Um, okay, should we talk about our three favorite, top three favorite things with coffee before Amanda just cuts our mics <clears throat> off like we're at the Academy Awards? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the orchestra is playing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love coffee ice cream. Mm. Um, I love regular old coffee. Mm. And How do you I take do, your coffee? It just, it changes. Um, I, you know, I was really, I'll go through phases where I drink a latte. I go through phases where I drink a non-dairy latte. I've been drinking lately from, I'm sorry to say, Starbucks because it's just convenient. Because mm. um, there's one in my suburban neighborhood. But um, sure, I've been getting an iced latte from starbucks which is not very good i gotta say it's not doesn't taste good but i still think <laughs> i don't know i don't know why <laughs> so you had a trendy no it's like 800 yeah because oh. <laughs> i put whole milk in there i'm like yeah give me regular milk hell yeah whole milk you're... look if um, somebody you're with gets skim milk or one percent in their latte that's a red flag run away from that person if i'm in a nice place i like a, a delicious americano Mm, yeah, um, love an Americano. But, yeah, just, I like regular coffee. I also do, since we're talking about Starbucks, I do like a Starbucks coffee frappuccino. With oh. an extra shot of espresso in there. Pro tip. That's it's, amazing. It's not very, you know, it cuts the sweetness and still gives you the jolt of caffeine. Sure. Um, so you get a really kind of delicious treat with extra coffee flavor. Let me ask you a quick question here, Nicole. I'm going to interject before I give you my favorites. Um... Say you're on a first date with someone, everything seems to be going really well, and you're taking a walk, and then you're like, you're like let's get a coffee. And uh, he gets up to this day, and he goes, uh, yeah, maybe I'll have a large uh, Java. <laughs> no. <laughs> he calls it Java. I Could you date someone state, that calls I'm, it Java? <laughs> I mean, I guess in this scenario, I'm dating someone who's like 58 years old. <laughs> you're at the Central Perk. Also, I just can't imagine a first date that's going really well, and then I stop in, at a coffee stand that's open all night that we were walking. I guess it's a I day date. In. It's a day date. <laughs> oh, okay. So I would never do that. And then you date. look down, and he's wearing those shoes that are actually shaped like feet. <laughs> and then I could never. I could never. I don't think go on a a first date with someone during the daytime. <laughs> oh, I've done it, and it's fine. It's actually never worked out. But that's because <laughs> I think I have emotional issues. It's my, it's me, not you. Do you have any other things you want to talk about with coffee that you like? No. Don't you want to tell us your three coffees? I've been dying to. <laughs> I like tiramisu. Mm, I love tiramisu. I love it. I love mole. Mm, I have good. started giving myself a, a mole enema, and I <laughs> tell you what, you have Ooh, it's spicy. <laughs> uh, you have not lived until you have given yourself a mole enema. I agree. <laughs> uh, 
it's confusing what's what, but uh, all in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to picture you washing your towels. Yeah, well, that's why I'm I'm working for Big Towel. Um, <laughs> so I also love coffee ice cream, and I, as you know, one of the only things that I don't really like is sweet yogurt. But when I was younger, I used to like yogurt, and I used to love coffee yogurt. And my mom would Ew. let me have it even when I was like really young. Well, what's the that's... difference between coffee yogurt and coffee ice cream? I mean, come on. I don't know, but there is. Well, first of all, coffee ice cream isn't sour. Mm, yeah, it's not that sour. Well, anyway. <laughs> Those are things that I like with coffee. Uh, oh, and a good coffee face scrub is nice, too. Well, sure, honey yeah. and coffee, that's great. Do great it. for your face. Guys, this was a fun episode. We laughed, we cried. We <laughs> got our Aaron Brockovich on. Um, <laughs> that's another very serious story <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of. <laughs> Apologies uh, to Julia Roberts. Apologies to Erin Brockovich, who's a real person. She is. She sure is. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for listening. And, Nicole, I love you. And, I love uh, you. I'll, let's chat on the phone after this, shall we? Okay. Um, hasta la pasta. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.